Hey bubs, welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked, the best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is tell you about Wolverine. I am your host Ryan, today's episode is the first in our themeless month of June, four episodes, four random topics coming at you all this month, first of which comes from our Patreon supporters. A big shout out to my patron known on Twitter as at Let's Talk Laura Kinney for the theme of today's episode, which is Wolverine Volume 2, number 10. Wolverine Volume 2 was actually Wolverine's first ongoing series. Uh, Wolverine had a four-issue miniseries that came out in the early 1980s, 1982 to be specific, uh, and that is considered Wolverine Volume 1. So Wolverine Volume 2 was his first ongoing series that was launched in 1988. It was launched by Chris Claremont, the longtime X-Men writer, and pencils from John Byrne, then we had Bill Sienkiewicz, and then... It seems each issue thereafter had a different artist working along with Chris Claremont. So by the time we got to issue 10, we had circled back to Bill Sienkiewicz. Now, Bill Sienkiewicz and Chris Claremont had been working together on New Mutants up to this point. Uh, Sienkiewicz had taken over fairly early on in New Mutants run and had a pretty solid run with Chris Claremont where the focus of the book shifted tonally to be darker, almost horror-like stories. They gave us Demon Bear, they gave us the first Legion story, uh, very cerebral and somewhat terrifying. And that style actually lends itself fairly well to this issue. Now, this issue also had artwork from John Buscema, letters from Ken Bruzenak and colors from Mike Rockowitz. Now, this story is called 24 Hours. It is a standalone story that takes place early on. It's completely self-contained in this issue, though it does fit into the larger storyline that was being told in this volume two of Wolverine. Now, at this point in the comic books, Wolverine and his fellow X-Men are believed to have died in the events of Fall of the Mutants. If you remember the big showdown they had at uh, Forge's Airy in Texas where the team goes through the Siege Perilous and ends up in the Australian Outback, there are times where Wolverine leaves the team and goes on his own solo adventures disguising himself as the adventurer and pseudo lowlife Patch. So at this point, Wolverine as Patch is living undercover in Madripoor, a sovereign nation, a fictional sovereign nation that is uh, relatively close to the rest of Southeast Asia. And while he's there, he goes on a few adventures early on with Jessica Drew, the Spider-Woman, and her partner, Lindsay McCabe. He teams up with crime lord Tiger Tiger to oppose uh, Sean Koi Mon's uh, uncle 
and I'm not even going to say his name, uh, but I'll just call him uh, General Mon. I don't want to mispronounce his name, <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that. Uh, so he's like the rival crime boss to Tiger Tiger, and they all have to obey the rules of the Prince of Madripoor, who is like the neutral party in this whole thing. So those are the, the adventures that he's been going on so far. Uh, you know, extra legal activities and things like that. So this issue finds him on a similar story, but again, it's a very self-contained story. It's in a very, it's a very personal story for Logan. This story is considered by many to be one of the most important Wolverine stories ever told. And I would agree with that. This story is probably the biggest building block in the hate-hate relationship uh, between Logan and Sabretooth. So this story is told in the present day, but then also through flashbacks, and both stories have to deal with Wolverine being opposed by Sabretooth. And up until this point, we had only gotten brief tastes of that relationship, that hatred, that enmity, between the two of them and this single issue shines a big light on the past and why that relationship exists why these two are the opposites that they are it's ironic the wolverine sabertooth relationship in that for all their differences they even have more similarities I kind of like the idea where you see the villain to a character isn't his or her opposite like you would see with, say, Superman and Lex Luthor or Batman and the Joker. Rather, with Wolverine, Sabretooth is just a reflection of Wolverine's own fear and darker self. The similarities between Sabretooth and Wolverine are phenomenally large and it comes into play all the time wolverine doesn't have to look any further than Sabretooth to see what his dark future can be what would happen if he were to let go to stop holding himself to a moral code stop following his scruples and and letting go giving into his animalistic side his berserker side his sadistic side even uh, it's not outside of the realm of possibility to expect that Wolverine someday could end up like Sabretooth. And I think that's why they have such a fun dynamic and why it's such a compelling story between the two of them. And really, it all starts with this issue. So the story starts in present day. Wolverine is at some dive bar that he doesn't usually frequent. He mentions that he's trying to stay away from those that he cares about. And while he's hanging out at this bar, of course, a fight would break out. Not a fight between Wolverine and other patrons, just a fight between two strangers that eventually Wolverine has to stop and it doesn't go over so well. But before Wolverine actually steps in, and cuts this fight short, we're actually taken to a flashback. So we only get about a page, you know, it's a splash page. So 
the first page is just one giant page, and then we only get about three panels of present day before it takes us into a flashback. And it doesn't give a time, it doesn't give a date, it doesn't even give a setting. It just says now, and then it says then. The flashback story actually kicks off pretty quickly. It's The panel is captioned then. Wolverine gives us a quick rundown uh, just to let us know that he's in the middle of Flaming Frontier Nowhere, and based on the dress of the patrons it's a little bit further on in the past i mean obviously we know it was then uh but in this case it's you know way back then and like i said it starts off with a bang there's a couple of patrons here drinking in the bar and wolverine just busts the door in holding what appears to be a a dead native american or a, a dead first nationer in his arms and just despondently saying she's dead silver fox is dead like there's no preamble there's no there's no uh filler no ex expository filler just he's holding a dead woman and is distraught and we immediately cut to Sabretooth who owns up to killing her right away like we're two panels in after Wolverine breaks not breaks in but busts the door in with you know Silver Fox dead in his arms and Sabretooth has already taken credit, saying, oh, yeah, I killed her. Well, you know, she said, no, what's it to you? Uh, you know, we can always make something of it if you want to. And so Wolverine, of course, is, you know, wants to throw down because his heart's been broken. The woman that he loves has been killed. And this person is just immediately saying, yeah, it was me. And a woman steps in and, you know, she says, he isn't fooling for pity's sake, Logan. She's just an Indian and you know we get so we get to see that this was a long time ago when uh, you know racism was running rampant and native americans the first nationers were discounted by the frontier folk and the the dress that this lady is wearing is is very old like it almost looks like the good old saloon days of the wild wild west you know the 1840s and things like that you know pre-civil war era which obviously from reading origin we know that canonically wolverine isn't that old uh, but in the late 80s when this story came out there wasn't really any definite age to wolverine given yet so at this point wolverine very well could have been born in colonial times he could have been born born in pre-civil war times we didn't have a time frame for it yet, and uh, the artwork in this in this issue, though it's very good, uh, does kind of lead us to believe that this was a long time ago, not just early 20th century, but possibly early 19th century. And it immediately goes back to now. So this is where Wolverine eventually has to step in and set these guys straight before they you know, beat up the rest of the bar before they break the bar. But of course, you know, with him being the outsider and these guys being regulars at the bar, even though he broke it up and prevented the bar from being destroyed, he's actually uh, not necessarily thrown out, but uh, he's not invited to stay after that. And he's under the impression that if he were to ever return, he wouldn't be welcomed back either. So he leaves and through his first person narration, he is kind of weaving the story here that uh, something bad is coming. There's something out there that is possibly after him. And it's not safe for those around him for him to be near them. So 
we see him hanging out in the seediest parts of Madripoor. He does give us a little breakdown. He says that the city's population at that point is in the seven figures. We know that there's the high town, which is the extremely rich and prosperous part of town. And then there's low town, which is the very poor, very run down area of Madripoor. Now they always just say like the island nation of Madripoor, but you always just wonder if it's just one big city island and it's just separated between high town and low town because there's they've never ever mentioned any specific cities on Madripoor. So I'm just operating on the assumption that Madripoor is like a city state and the city itself makes up the entire island. Like it's a small enough island that there's only enough room for one city, but it's a prosperous enough city that the island is actually fairly wealthy and does pretty well for itself. I imagine it's also uh, neutral in all global conflicts so that people of any side can go there, and that way it doesn't need to have any kind of military or infrastructure other than the difference you know, between high town and low town, just the infrastructure that money can buy. Anyway, I'm, I'm going off on a on a big tangent here, but Wolverine does go to lengths to point that out. And I think it's important to know, uh, not just for context of this single issue, but just the context of his entire time in Madripoor. So he sticks to the rooftops and is eventually taken back into his memory of then, where we see just this brutal fight kicking off. You know, Wolverine says, I was covered with Fox's blood, Sabretooth stank of it. She died hard, and he'd enjoyed every minute. I meant to pay him back in kind. Now, I really like the writing of this single issue because it's Claremont at his best. You know, Claremont is really good at character voices, in my opinion. One of the things that he was always really good at was fleshing out the characters, giving all the characters their own personalities, giving them time in the spotlight, but not necessarily doing things that were out of character, he gave us very strict parameters on how these characters would behave. And then he let those characters explore various situations that would try to take them out of those comfort levels. Uh, but that being said, he really does have a knack for the grittier noir style first person narration that works very well for Wolverine. Uh, we saw that a lot in Wolverine volume one issues one through four. And we get that again in this issue, especially uh, the first couple issues in the Claremont run of the Wolverine ongoing. It was more, it was a larger arc. It was more story driven. And so the characters were mostly just interacting with each other. Whereas this is a, a very character driven story and it's a Wolverine driven story. So we get to hear a lot of Wolverine's thoughts and hear these things in his own voice. And Claremont really really nails it here. So I say brutal fight and I'm not kidding. Wolverine is not holding back. At this point, canonically, Wolverine's claws were still considered implants and not part of his mutation. So of course, in this flashback, Wolverine specifically mentions that he didn't have his claws back then. And so we don't actually see him pop his claws, bone claws or adamantium against Sabretooth in this battle. And yet we still get to see this ferocity in these fights. Uh, you know, Wolverine lunges at Sabretooth. He's clocking him in the face. Sabretooth picks him up and throws him through the bar. You know, Wolverine's coming out. Sabretooth is backhanding him. And 
Wolverine is kind of telling us the whole time he's been fighting Sabretooth, Sabretooth is kind of toying with him. And you can tell that Sabretooth is getting just the, the really uh, enjoyment from this fight. He is definitely sadistic and enjoys causing pain. So the fact that he gets to see Wolverine get into this berserker rage due to the fact that he killed Wolverine's you know, love and then seeing Wolverine lose it because he can't seem to physically best Sabretooth in this battle. I mean, this is just what Sabretooth lives for. And and Wolverine is reminding us here that at this point in his life, Sabretooth was very much his superior, every bit better than Wolverine. You know, eventually Wolverine is able to get his adamantium claws, and that's kind of considered what the big equalizer is there. But again, like I said, Wolverine didn't have that at this point. So... Sabretooth is bigger, faster, stronger, more vicious. His healing factor is just as good at this point. He is just purely sadistic, just causing pain for his utter satisfaction. And and it really comes across in the dialogue here. It comes across in the artwork. Bushema and Sienkiewicz especially are uh, really on the ball. I'm thinking here... Uh, what Bushema brought to the artwork was some of the facial expressions kind of remind me of the early Bushema stuff, whereas the line work itself, it's very, I don't, wiry isn't really the word, but it's the closest thing I can think of. It's very wiry. It's very fine. Um, it's very erratic. Uh, it's not nearly as off the wall and uncrisp as Sinkevich's work on New Mutants. It's definitely not as wacky either, uh, but it works for this story. It's maybe stark is the right word. It's very stark. The images, the body language, the movements, and I think Sienkiewicz really did a great job, and Bushema as well, just nailing this story and really matching it artistically, tonally with the words that Claremont gives us here. So back in present day, Wolverine is out on the town after leaving that little dive bar and he comes across a Navy couple, a couple of sailors, a man and a woman out on the town who are being accosted by muggers and predators. And uh, the the naval officer guy, the naval, I don't know, he might be an enlisted man, but the, uh, the Navy guy actually takes a blade to the gut and uh, Wolverine comes to their rescue. He drops one of these gangbanger guys uh, and takes a couple of bullets right to the chest uh, before he's able to neutralize another guy, and then the last two guys kind of flee. And Wolverine picks up the man, and he tells the lady, you know, come with me. I know a safe place where I can get you help. Uh, Hospital's too far away, and so is the shipyard. So just come with me and, you know, keep a weather eye. And then, of course, we're immediately taken back into the flashback here. Uh, the fight has become even more brutal. This time, Sabretooth is not holding back, and he's decided to stop pulling his punches. He tackles Wolverine through a glass wall. Wolverine lands on a pile of lumber. He picks up a giant log to try to use as a bat, but, of course, Sabretooth just grabs his arm, rips the bat thing out of his hands, swings it back against him, and pretty much hits Wolverine like a baseball into just a giant pile of logs. Wolverine mentions that it's, you know, he says, timber came in all sizes, logs to full width unsplit trunks. 
piled high as a house. Made a pretty impressive mess. So Wolverine is trapped underneath this whole big collapse of, of wood. And if this bar fight is ringing any bells for you and you haven't read this issue, it's pretty much the basis for the Sabretooth Wolverine fight after the death of Silver Fox in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Like you can really see where the filmmakers responsible for that. I'm not going to say travesty, but uh, that not good movie uh, at least took their influence, at least for that scene from this issue. So there was at least that. Anyway, again, we're back to now. Wolverine takes this man to a brothel called Madame Joy's. And Madame Joy is neutral in this gang war that's going on between Tiger Tiger and uh, Sean's um, uncle. And so he knows that it's going to be neutral territory and that uh, Madame Joy is going to do the best that she can to try to help him as he's not a member of either of those two factions. He's just an innocent bystander of city crime. So Madame Joy, of course, springs into action. She gets her girls to fix him. They page the doctor. They do this and that. And then, of course, while Wolverine is there, he runs into Jessica Drew and then, of course, Lindsay McCabe. And so they're like, hey, Patch, why don't you come back to our place real quick because, you know, we want to talk to you about something. So he tells the uh, the Navy lady, you know, you're in good hands. Just sit tight here. They're going to fix your friend. Trust me, this is the best place for you to be right now, but I'm going to go and uh, figure out what's going on with my friends. So he takes off, and when he arrives at their apartment, which is like one floor up from Madame Joy's brothel, he's taken back into the past. And so we see that he has uh, managed to climb or crawl his way out of the woodpile and Sabretooth decides that uh, he's not done with the fight yet, so he's going to follow Wolverine's trail and, you know, continue this fight. So Wolverine, who has run into the woods, you know, he's shirtless, he's shoeless, and he kind of goes on about how when he was a young man, he would live in the wilderness and he would push his limits because he never found a man or a beast that was his equal. And so he's kind of falling back on those instincts to try to escape from Sabretooth. He eventually comes to a mountain, just a sheer cliff, and so he begins to climb. And then we are taken back to now. We have another run-in with uh, Drew, Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman, and McCabe. And they kind of tell Patch, like, hey, you know, we know what's going on. We know that uh, you seem to be running from something. And, you know, we're your friends. We want to help. So if you let us know what's going on, we can help you. And, of course, Wolverine has to let him know, like, this is my business, and I got to do what I got to do. So he takes off, and again, we are taken back to the past. Like, this is a really quick story, and it's paced extremely fast. You know, it's action doesn't let up. It's just current action, past action, current action, past action. So here we are. We see Wolverine scaling this cliff, thinking that he's escaped, and when he gets to the top of the cliff, who should be waiting for him there but Sabretooth, who says, Sound like a dog, boy. You want to die like one on your belly? or on your feet like a man. And then we're taken back to now again. And a change of scenery. We have Patch sitting in 
the chair in this little office when the door opens and in comes the chief of police, a man known as Ty. And Patch is there to see if Ty has made good on their deal. Patch needed some information that Ty was going to be able to provide after doing some research. And he lets Patch know, he says, the person in question is dead. And Patch thinks to himself, well, probably not, probably doesn't mean a whole lot, but, you know, at least that's what the rumor is right now. So chances are he's, you know, he could be underground or whatever. Uh, And so as Patch is going to leave, then Chief Ty stops him and says, my pleasure. By the way, Patch, happy birthday. And when Patch tries to ask him how he knew, he just says, I'm chief of police. It's my job to know. So now we find out that today is Patch's birthday. Today's Wolverine's birthday. Uh, We don't know, again, what month this is taking place, but it came out. The issue was published August 1st of 1989, so I'm just going to go ahead and say that uh, Wolverine's birthday is August 1st. Now, perhaps canonically we've determined when it is, and I'm just not aware of that, but uh, I'll just go ahead and say since this issue came out on August 1st, I'll just say that his birthday is August 1st. Anyway, we are immediately then taken back to a flashback, and now that it's been revealed that it's Wolverine's birthday, he remembers that this night long ago, where Sabretooth killed his lover, killed his wife perhaps, and then proceeded to savagely beat Wolverine and try to fight him to the death, was his birthday. Wolverine says, my birthday. Fox and I, we'd planned to celebrate together. Sabretooth had other ideas. Learned a lot that night about fear. And the berserker in my soul, my whole being, went red with rage. So we kind of see... Uh, Wolverine falling into a berserker rage, which is always fun. Uh, It's kind of like uh, watching an episode of Dragon Ball Z and waiting for Goku to go Super Saiyan. I know it seems kind of a weird analogy since in the anime episode I mentioned I'm not a huge anime fan, especially not Dragon Ball Z, but it's kind of what I can think of, you know, this physical transformation that gives the person, like, these abilities or whatever. So that's what I'm going with. So you're kind of always kind of waiting for Wolverine to go into this berserker rage. And for about two panels, he holds his own against Sabretooth, clocks him in the face. He's about to hit him again. Of course, I had mentioned at this point, Sabretooth is every bit bigger, faster, stronger, more vicious, more savage, more brutal than Wolverine. And Wolverine's berserker rage amounts to nothing but a hill of beans. Sabretooth grabs him, punches him, knocks him up into the air, and just clocks him all the way across this, you know, mountaintop to where this forest thing is. Wolverine gets up, not learning his lesson. He comes back for more. Sabretooth kicks him in the gut. He grabs him by the throat. He's slashing his face. I mean, he's he beats him down. I mean, he beats Wolverine to the point where Wolverine can't even get up off the ground. And Sabretooth hasn't even broken a sweat at this point. He's just standing there over this limp, destroyed body of Wolverine. Wolverine's not dead, obviously, but at this point, this is probably the closest in his life that he's ever come to death from a physical fight. And then, of course, we're taken back to now. Uh, Logan, again, is trying to walk through Madripoor alone, staying in the shadows, staying to the parts of town that he knows are going to be deserted 
or where there are people who no one cares about and who will not be missed. But he realizes that he's being followed, and we think, oh, good, we're finally going to get to see this mystery character who apparently he's been hiding from for this whole issue, and instead we find out that it's just Jessica Drew kind of following him around um, because, you know, Patch wouldn't tell her what was going on, so she's wanting to find that out herself. And while they're out on the town, these two guys, the two survivors from the altercation earlier with the two naval people, uh, kind of drive by, and they have a third guy with them now, and they've got machine guns, they've got rocket launchers, and it's probably, it's like a Michael Bay drive-by, where there's explosions, there's gunfire, there's really bad posturing, and there's no actual stakes, no one actually gets harmed, nothing bad actually happens other than fire and explosions. So, no offense to Michael Bay fans. So they think that they've destroyed Patch, they think that they've destroyed whoever was with Patch, and satisfied with their victory, these guys drive off, and again, we're taken to then. Oh, sorry, before we're taken to then, these guys, thinking that they just killed Logan, thinking that they just killed Patch, are gloating about it in their car. They're talking about, you know, popping another brewski and heading back to have a party at their local bar. And you kind of see this figure in the shadows, but that's all you can see. There's no clues as to who it is. And then we are taken into the flashback again. We see this this broken Wolverine. We see this very sadistic Sabretooth holding Wolverine up by the hair. Wolverine's nose is gushing blood. Wolverine, uh, Sabretooth has got his claws right by his throat, and he's pretty much telling him, like, all right, well, it's time to slash out your throat, and that'll be that. And Wolverine, in one last act of defiance, screams no and tackles Sabretooth off a cliff. So we're taken to now, and we see Wolverine kind of, like, just floating in the docks in the sewer-like muck and Jessica Drew kind of comes to the rescue and is like, hey, are you all right? And he's like, yeah, I've been worse. Uh, so we at least get to find out that they're alive. And she kind of mentions, like, you know, we, they, they couldn't have thought they got us, and yet they're gone. So perhaps someone, someone got rid of them for us. And that's kind of when Wolverine says, you know, guess we owe somebody a favor then. Wonder who more. Wonder why. Then again, we are taken into the flashback and we see Wolverine and Sabretooth passed out at the bottom of this cliff that they had fallen off of. And Sabretooth comes to first. And I guess he's satisfied with the outcome. He was satisfied with the fact that Wolverine stood up to him or that Wolverine fought like a man or that Wolverine attempted to kill him. I, I don't know what it is that made him satisfied, but he wakes up and is like, yeah. I'd hate to kill you while you're passed out, but, you know, I don't really feel like waiting around, and you've kind of earned your rest, so, uh, you know, until next time. And he just goes his merry way, and we are taken to the present and the final page of this solo story. Of course, now Wolverine is back at the bar that he loves his usual watering hole, which is the Princess Bar. The car from the drive-by is parked right outside. This is gorgeous red Cadillac. How a bunch of backwater low-life criminals got such a nice car is beyond me because they just seem like common muggers and thieves, but 
who knows, you know, maybe that was their turf and they actually had a lot more action than was shown, but I'm not going to really worry too much about it. So Wolverine sees the Cadillac and he knows that these guys are in the bar and that the bar is closed and all the lights out or anything. So he's assuming that they've set an ambush for him. So he decides the best thing to do is to just go in guns blazing. Well, in his case, you know, claws popped and he goes in, all the lights are off and he realizes there's no one there. Uh, the bar is empty except for these two shapes kind of hanging above the bar. And when he comes closer to get a better look, he finds the two Daryls, that's their names, uh, both of them are named Daryl, uh, the two Daryls kind of st- strung from the ceiling, wrapped up in a nice, you know, wrapped up in like a nice bow, like a present. Remember, it's Wolverine's birthday. And there's a note on them that says, nobody kills you but me, especially today. And Wolverine, in another act of defiance, kind of like on the top of that big giant mountain says not bub if i get you first and that is how the story ends that is a self-contained completely self-contained solo issue super important issue to the mythos of wolverine like i mentioned very early on in the show it is considered by many to be one of the better one of the best uh, wolverine sabertooth stories i would agree with that it's one of my favorite stories so again, a big shout out to at Let's Talk Laura uh, on Twitter for being the patron, uh, the patron that uh, chose that as his episode. So Bubs, I'm actually letting you guys off light today. I know I usually take you right up to the minute mark, or <laughs> excuse me, the hour mark. Uh, and I know that last week I actually took you over the minute mark. So this week, I'm actually going to let you guys off early. I didn't want to diminish this episode by talking about other stories, although I would recommend if you are looking for like a lighthearted take on this this trope, this saber-tooth hunting Wolverine on his birthday trope, there is an issue of a series called Wolverine First Class. Now, Wolverine First Class was an ongoing series, lasted for 18 issues or so uh, back in the mid-2000s. It was kind of like a lighthearted, outside-of-canon uh, take on the Wolverine and Kitty Pride relationship. So it's kind of like Wolverine. This is the first time that Wolverine's a teacher, and Kitty's his only student, so she's his first class in one of those issues and i'll let you know which one here in a sec in one of those issues kitty actually finds out that it's logan's birthday because every year on his birthday he he goes away he separates himself from the x-men because it's actually shown that every year on his birthday Sabretooth shows up to beat the crap out of him like this was not a one-time thing. There's a reason why Wolverine was at that seedy bar at the beginning of the story. It's because every year on his birthday, Sabretooth comes back to do something to him, beat him up, mess with his head, give him false hopes and fake leads to track his memories down, just whatever. Anything that Sabretooth feels like doing to mess with Wolverine, he does. And in this issue, Kitty realizes, oh, well, hey, it's your birthday. Great. Well, I've got some surprises for you before you go on your little 
one man's show uh, show of sadness and she reveals that she had flown out Mariko to have dinner with him and that she had booked Logan and Mariko reservations at like this really fancy Japanese restaurant and then of course Kitty tags along to kind of chaperone the evening and of course Kitty doesn't know that every year on his birthday Sabretooth comes and messes with him and so Wolverine is trying to figure out a way to protect them and keep them away from Sabretooth when he inevitably shows up and it's just a fun lighthearted kind of take on on this Uh, we get to see a really fun panel where they are fighting in like their little private eating hall and uh, Sabretooth gets some wasabi on his fingers and just shoves it right up Wolverine's nose. Uh, It's a fun story, fun panel, and that was Wolverine First Class Issue 2. Great story uh, written by Fred Van Lente, who I really like. Fred Van Lente, I think that uh, the work that he had done over in the Valiant universe is phenomenal. He's probably my favorite Valiant writer. So if you read comics that are not Marvel uh, and you're looking for something new to branch into, I would actually recommend checking out the Valiant universe, uh, especially the stuff that's written by Fred Van Lente. It's really great. Uh, Same thing with Jeff Lemire, actually. Uh, I was not a big fan of Lemire's x-men run his extraordinary x-men run but uh, his stuff in the valiant universe has been pretty fantastic so written by fred Venlente with art from andrea devito laura villare and simon boland uh, and that could be andrea i'm not sure if it's a man or a woman uh, so it could be andrea it could be andrea uh, i'm not quite sure uh, but the artwork's fun um, again for you know a, a non- canon story a non-major x title uh but yeah wolverine first class is a really fun series if you're really looking for the softer lighter side of wolverine so bubs that is it for today's episode if you like the show and would like to see it grow There are things that you can do to make it so. Sorry about the rhyming. I wasn't trying to have a Dr. Seuss moment there. It just kind of came out. So if you like the show, it's probably because you're a Wolverine fan. And if you're a Wolverine fan, chances are you have friends that are Wolverine fans as well. If none of them listen to the show, recommend it to them. Have them give it a listen as well. It's something that uh, you and your friends can talk about. And it's a way that you can help me grow the listenership and grow the audience of the show. Another thing that you can do to help grow the show without giving me your money is to rate and review the show. Uh, If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher, I believe all three services have ways that you can rate and review the shows. And if you listen anywhere else that would allow you to do so, please take the time out of your day give me a rating, give me a review, even positive feedback, negative feedback, whatever. Uh, If you like the show, let me know. If you hate the show, if you were disappointed in this episode or any other episodes, let me know so I can see what I can do to improve my show for you in the future. Now, if you want to take the next step, if you want to take the leap and 
join the Talk and Snicked community officially, check out my Patreon page. It is www.patreon.com slash talkinsnicked. It's just the name of the show, T-A-L-K-I-N-S-N-I-K-T. I, for those of you who don't know, uh, Patreon is a website where creators like me, people that have podcasts or musicians, artists, writers, anyone that's got a creative bone in their body can bring their creations to their fans and in exchange their fans get to join a community and it does come at a price. There are pledge levels and certain pledge levels get you certain rewards. Talkin' Snicked has reward tiers at four different levels, $1 a month, $2 a month, $5 a month, and $10 a month. Some of those perks are things like shout-outs and recognition on the show, so you can actually hear me thank you personally. Uh, also, depending on what tier you are, you can get some tangible rewards and sometimes even choose a topic for an upcoming episode. That is how we got today's episode. So check it out. See if that's something that you would want to do. And if it's a community that you would want to join, I would love to have you. Bubs, if you like the music in the episode, then stay tuned after the end here. So coming up momentarily, I am sharing with you a Talkin' Snicked exclusive track from the very talented artist known as Retcon X. Now, the man Jeremiah is a one-man band. He is utterly fantastic, and he has produced music inspired by the X-Men. He currently has two full-length EPs out there. You can find them on his Spotify playlist. I listen to them on Apple Music. Uh, I will link to those in the show notes. Uh, but check them out. They are inspired by the recent line of X-Men books that Marvel is putting out. And in light of the new Dazzler series that I believe comes out, uh, well, let's see, this episode drops on Wolverine Wednesday, which is also new comic book day. I'm not sure if the Dazzler series comes out today uh, as of the time of that you're listening to this or if it comes out soon. But I do know that Retcon X is dropping some dazzler specific music very soon so definitely check him out again i have no uh, i've links to his spotify his website and his own patreon in the show notes bubs i just want to do one more quick thank you to a friend of mine on twitter known as at daily x-men facts uh, Anthony is the guy that runs that Twitter account, and it is a treasure trove of information, and he shares new daily tidbits about, you know, beloved characters, uh, obscure characters, and anything in between that has to deal with our favorite Mary Mutants. And last month, he actually partnered with me for a few of my episodes to help enrich that content. So again, big thank you, Anthony at Daily X-Men Facts. So Bubs, I had mentioned that June is a themeless month. So the next three episodes are up for grabs there. Anything goes. And I'm leaning to doing an episode on all the Wolverine video games out there. So if you're a video game fan, come check that episode out. Until next time, Bubs. <laughs>